What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, we're joined by Jolene Rivera from the Kitchen from Kitchen Talk, which is a cooking cannabis uh, magazine. So let's just get right into it. Happy Sunday, everyone. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Thanksgiving's upon us. Yes. Gluttony. Uh, gluttony. So we're going to talk about <laughs> kitchen and cooking with weed for Thanksgiving. And thanks for tuning in to another episode of Canvas Legalization News. To find out how many times I'm going to say Thanksgiving today. Uh, <laughs> so, Julie, what are you guys running with? Is it Thanksgiving? We're running with Thanksgiving. Oh. Nice. Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving, get to, I mean, you know, mm. it's really being indulgent over here. Mm -hmm. So where's, uh, where is Kitchen Toke located out of? Uh, we're based in Chicago. Nice. Yeah. And what is Kitchen Toke? Kitchen Toke is, uh, was founded in 2017. We are the first and currently the only media company in the world informing the consumer on culinary cannabis for health and wellness. I think uh, we all know that cannabis can get us high. And I think what people don't know is that it's not just about being high. You can also um, be healthy. Very true. Very true. Also, cannabis. Uh, I was going to say this year, we also just uh, uh, founded our very first food product about 100 days ago. We just launched nice. our very first um, infused food, which is a uh, CBD from hemp uh, honey that is infused by bees and not humans. Oh, wow. Bees and not humans. So how do they infuse the CBD into the honey then? Well, uh, thanks to Beefuse Technology, our founding research team and partners based in Israel, they um, discovered a way of uh, offering bees a hemp uh, organic juice that the bees eat. And then they take they they don't have an endocannabinoid system. So they basically put the endo uh, the cannabinoids into the honey for us. So you have a CBD honey farm? I do. That's amazing. Does it work for THC or is there just something magic about CBD? I know that it's legal, you know. It does work for THC. We have, uh, they have experimented with it. We have produced small quantities of a THC infused honey. And it's great because the bees are, are eating the um, cannabinoids and they're breaking them down with their bee belly enzymes. Therefore, they're actually making it a bioavailable and water-soluble cannabinoid in the honey. That's one of the things that's really difficult with THC. And one of the differences between THC and CBD is the solvency uh, ability of water and THC being the more hydrophobic of the two cannabinoids. Uh, so that's always one of the more difficult things because as it is Thanksgiving, I have a whole bunch of, you know, accoutrement that I've brought onto the screen, the scene. This is uh, a full spectrum extract that I made with glycerin. This one's nice if you're mixing it with drinks because glycerin has, um, I don't know, it, it suspends in water much easier, but it would also extract the cannabinoids. So you're saying that um, the bees have some magical property within them so they can act as your, uh, as your extract machine, huh? Well, the bees are really breaking down the oils with their bee belly. They're essentially mm. digesting it for us. And then they're putting the uh, contents of what they're eating back into their honey. So arguably, they're making um, probably one of the first, if not the only, natural um, water-soluble CBD in the world. 
Now, the reason why the, the bees are able to do this, is, like you said earlier, though, they have no endocannabinoid system, right? So it's just kind of like flushing through them. They're not even absorbing any of this. Correct. Actually, um, there's some research out of Poland that I've read recently that it, the cannabinoids is somehow making the bees healthier and stronger uh, and more able to fight against pesticides that they're consuming on a natural level because the bees are still um, foraging naturally. Our bees are hmm. still uh, foraging naturally. The bee farm is owned by Beefuse Technology. It's in uh, just north of Santa Barbara. And the bees are still flying around foraging flowers and stuff, but they're also taking in um, this organic hemp juice. So it's really cool because it's a single ingredient food. I mean, when you ask me what the ingredients is, it's just organic honey, which is kind of amazing. I wonder if it's going to be possible in the future just to restrict the bees only to those, those flowers. Just so that, I mean, because uh, I wonder how you're supposed to titrate dosages for that honey. How do you control for the THC amounts that are present Pretty therein? Simple. So, like, they, they are what they eat, really. These are essentially, they are what they eat. When you give them a certain quantity of or a level of THC or CBD, they break it down and process it and put it back into the honey. So, you know, just like humans, when you eat any oil, through digestion, you're going to lose 30 to 40% of what you, or I'm going to say 20 to 30% of what you eat through your digestion process. Um, the same with bees. They eat it, they, they kind of digest it for us. So they break the oil particles down into something water soluble. So it makes the outcome pretty level. So the bees are the same. So if they're eating the same and the bees are producing the same, you, you can, after a few tests, you kind of, you know what, what's going to, what the result's going to be. What's your average per milligram, say, for per jar, uh, their CBD content? It's really low, actually. Uh, the the uh, I, I could probably tell you per teaspoon, really. It's it's about 125, 1.25 milligrams per gram. It's a very small dose of CBD, but it's very effective because it's broken down for us, and it will kick in in about 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Nice. So if so it's THC-infused, you know, you could literally go to a bar and drink you know, a drink with water-soluble um, CBD honey or THC honey, and you could go one-to-one -one with your friend if they're having whiskey and you're drinking THC. You know, on that level, you, you would feel it in about 10, 15 minutes. Do the bees then kind of like decarboxylate, decarboxylate the, uh, the CBD then to an effect? Well, decarboxylation is heating it up, right? So um, what they're eating is um, something that's already potent. So they're eating, you know, an oil, uh, you know, a dense, you know, um, can cannabinoid oil. So fascinating stuff. I had no idea that bees had the power to create THC infusions, or like cannabis infusions. It could also be the CBD. But uh, that was one of the reasons why I used the glycerin for just doing, you know, crude uh, cannabinoid extractions from, like, I don't know a whole bunch of trim or something. Uh, uh, the glycerin acts as a fairly good solvent, and then you have something that you can mix into drinks fairly readily. So you can use it in lieu of that cannabis-infused honey. But um, yeah. that's pretty neat. You would need a, a cultivation license in the state of Illinois to make that, simply because yeah. the, the infuser can't, like, you know, take bees and give them to it. It's, it's silly. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is why we started with hemp, uh, only um i have zero plans right now to create a thc hunting so or yeah you know, i really oh good i was gonna say we're the so I, I really enjoyed kitchen toke you're because you've only you like you said you said uh you've only been at it for two years now 
we launched very late 2017, just on the cusp of 2018. So yeah, about, you know, uh, 2021 will be three years. That's awesome. Just three years. The, the quality of the content is pretty great. You know, uh, they they've, they they've had a dinner with Jim and Belushi. One of the things that really uh, interesting to me was your dinner at Bloomingdale's. Like Bloomingdale's paid for you guys to show up and infuse a CBD dinner. Yeah, how great is that? Yeah, so we uh, that is we yeah we used to do a lot of events like that. Uh, obviously pre COVID, but um, we did uh, five different dinners I think in New York around New York Fashion Week and uh, some you know some uh, celebratory and pretty um, um, popular um, fashion designers would um, ask us to come in and create a CBD dinner to, you know, celebrate their New York shows. And one of them was Prabal Grung, and he had a, um, a, a collaboration to celebrate uh, with Bloomingdale's. So Bloomingdale's Kitchen Toke uh, hosted a dinner in his honor. Awesome. So uh, then the, uh, the, the recipes and whatnot, um, where did you guys get all the recipes that you have on the uh, Kitchen Toke? They have this one that I'm looking at. It's tart CBD pomegranate gummies. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, right? Uh, I mm -hmm. think that one came from uh, either a food developer. We've got another one coming out from Chef Derek Simsick. But, um, I, you know, I am not a chef. I'm a creative director who um, basically have been in the food industry for 20 years and reporting on food trends and what chefs are doing. And I noticed a white space that needed to be filled. You know, there were people like my mother, my aunt, you know, a lot of people who were not using cannabis, who didn't know how to use it, were afraid to approach it. Um, and I wanted to help them figure out how to navigate how they could use it for them in any way. So we launched Kitchen Toke, and I uh, really just tapped into the food industry that I knew really well. And that would that the first per people we started to call on were chefs, and then we started to reach out to cannabis experts. So Kitchen Toke has a lot of health stories, a lot of cannabis information, a lot of recipes that is uh, a fact-based, source-based magazine. So we report the facts as we know them, and you know as well as I do that landscape changes um, as the research is uh, coming in. So we. We get all of our content from um, writers who know what they're doing, who are sourcing all their material, and chefs who know how to cook, and chefs who know how to cook with cannabis. I love your origin story on your website because you talk about how you took your professional life as a foodie type person, and and then you just essentially infused your career. Uh, I, you I, know. You know what? I love that. I didn't really think about it that way, but you're right. I did. And then, I mean, just the, the your callus was your friend's dad, right? Is, can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So my friend Nellie Williams and I um, had worked together for 13 years, and her dad uh, was diagnosed with lung cancer, which was heartbreaking to me. It's like family. And um, she, uh, you know, she would report on his, her dad to me. She actually was in Chicago, moved back home to Missouri where they are and to be close to her family and it was about five years in and he was losing his cancer battle he um uh, started a lung cancer spread to his lymph nodes it was in his neck and i decided to try to do something that might help him increase his appetite rest help with pain so i uh, asked a few friends in chicago who i knew were cannabis users how i could um, get some chocolates made and i i this con i confess i didn't know much then i knew that people were cooking with it I wasn't a big user. I'd gotten high in high school um, a lot, really, and I just I kind of abandoned it then. Um, and I um, 
I really didn't know what I was doing as far as food and cannabis was concerned, but I just knew that he couldn't smoke because he had lung cancer. So I was going to try to find something that he could swallow easily. So I, I thought chocolates would work. So I took chocolates to him and we were all, uh, we all, uh, her and her five sisters. So there were six girls and myself and her mother in the room. And we watched him, his mood lift, his pain subsided. He started to get hungry. It was pretty cool to watch him want to crack open a beer and eat a sandwich. I mean, they were all crying. And I just remember thinking, holy shit, like this really works. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. uh, Yeah, it was mind blowing. And and I remember leaving and I was bawling my eyes out in the car and Nellie, it's her dad. And she's like, why are you crying? And I said, I feel like this is the last time I'll see him. And uh, it was, I was back down there about three weeks later for his funeral. And it was shortly after that I said, uh, what if we do what we do and we bring this information to the cannabis world and combine it together and maybe we could help just one other person have one good day because that's basically how his family saw it. Jolene, you helped him have one good day. And to that, to them, it meant everything. Wow. That's fascinating. And then you are not the first guest we've had on that has this exact same story. And very often that is the impetus for them getting into the cannabis industry itself. Uh, and then one of the cool things about Thanksgiving is uh, the edible aspect of it, because a lot of people, they don't want to smoke or they don't smoke. And uh, we have another guest coming up on Wednesday and we'll discuss there uh, some more on Thanksgiving. Let me just write that one down. I'm trying to keep a going track of how many times I say that. But um, one of the cool things is now you can get buy these little extracts. The little, uh, have you seen these? The little, uh, they're made out of silicon and then you can titrate your dose and put it right into the, no, it, you said chocolate. How would you use chocolate for, for these types of things? Cause I've only really dabbled in the, uh, the gelatins. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you could obviously make your own chocolate bars, but I, I like to create sauces when I infuse because I think flour is expensive. And when you infuse a whole recipe, like let's say, you know, a whole cookie recipe or a whole brownie or a whole, you know, mac and cheese kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it can be expensive and especially if you mess it up. So I always tell people to experiment with some kind of sauce, either it could be an aioli, it could be a barbecue kind of sauce. It could be, um, it could be a chocolate sauce, uh, something to that extent where you could, you can, you can either like, uh, you know, add more chocolate and, and make it uh, spread out your THC, or you can figure out a way to say, I only need a teaspoon of this and then add something else. So this way you can sort of work your way up. And if you mess up, you're not messing up an entire, you know, meal or something like that. That's fantastic. But then how do you, because uh, if you're making a chocolate or something, you usually need to have a solvent uh, to pass through to get the extract. What types of extracts are you using to put into that chocolate? Well, I think anytime you have a fat, you know, you can bind your THC to that, right? So Uh, you you really are looking for the fat in there. So you're looking for any kind of oil, whether it be a cooking oil, an olive oil, a coconut um, oil, a coconut milk. Um, You could do MCT oil. You could do avocado. We've done bacon fat. So we made a a really great uh, stone fruit galette out of bacon fat, um, and we made a flatbread. Uh, out of bacon fat. So you can do even a pizza or something like that. It's fantastic. That's so delicious. 
one of the things that I have in the mail right now is another one of these silicon things, but it's for butter molds. And so like if you're making a butter extract or something, and then it has like the little pat lines on it. So because when you have a recipe, very often it calls for X amount of butter. And then you can calculate that. Yep. Yeah. That's really great, actually. I mean, dosing is a problem. Uh, it's always been a problem. Um, and not say a problem, I'm going to say it's a challenge. And, and that challenge gets easier. With, you know, in 2016, when we launched, there were hardly any packaged foods. Now, I mean, you have all kinds from powders to honeys to chocolates to um, salts, sugars. I mean, if you go to our CBD shop, you can buy infused salt and infused sugar. So those are, I mean, pantry staples and pantry items infused are getting huge these days. Yeah. Do you, you're, on Kitchen Talk, you guys have the calculator, the, the dosage calculator. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, where did you guys get that from? How is that generated? Um, I'm sure we tapped into a cook. To be honest, it's been in there for quite a while now. I know why we did it, but I can't remember exactly where the 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 um, where it originated from. Um, I think it was talking to food people. I think it had something to do with an article about dosing, oh. and so we probably formulated that. It's a math problem for sure, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But as you know, you know, you guys know, dosing is a problem because people eat an edible and it takes 45 minutes, 30, 45 minutes to kick in. And most people don't wait long enough and they're like, I don't feel anything. And then they eat more. So, and then when you're cooking, you're, you know, I mean, I remember uh, talking to Miguel Trinidad, chef Miguel Trinidad, who's 99 floor in New York. And he's also uh, was the host of uh, Bong Appetit. Mm -hmm. And he said, chefs would come in and they're just throwing, you know, weed here and there and not even really thinking about dosing. So I think that's uh, that's an obstacle, no matter who you are. And yep. so, like, is that the consideration when you guys do make dinners? As far as dosage, you're like, hey, uh, we're gonna, you know, get a designated driver after this, or at the end, you're trying to have CBD to counteract everything. Is that kind of what you guys do? We made recommendations for sure, but as you guys both know, you getting the flour you need or whatever we're making something with is not available here, there, or other places. So, I mean, we can make light suggestions and we usually make them uh, like based on a terpene, based on a flavor profile more than a strain. Nice. Yeah, the dosing can always be really, really difficult. And so like when I'm going to be making butter and stuff, I mean, I, I usually do some math from weighing the, the amount of product that I put into the extractor and then decarbing it for so long and then, you know, how much solvent you put in, and then you kind of have a number. It's a guess, but you know, it's it's pretty good for being at home. Yep. And a lot of people are you guys? A, okay. Go ahead. Hmm. Oh, I'll just say both of you guys. Are you guys planning to make dinner like one of you separate? Because I mean, you both both you two have the means to do it. Uh, especially you, Tom, with all your tinctures and oils. I mean, are you guys going to have two separate? Thanksgiving dinners, Friendsgiving dinners, or is it just like one Medicaid meal? Fuck everybody else. <laughs> one. One Medicaid meal. That's that's bold of you. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't have kids, uh, and there are nice. kids running around here. Um, and no, Diana's, that's the problem. Yeah. Kids. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not gathering with a lot of people this year. We'll be. I'll be here at home. Good. So you have to figure out how to put the stuff up. And like one of the nice things about these molds, if you are making like some gummies or like a piece of chocolate that would go into them, it says a 21 and up. 
on the bottom of them. And so like, it'll have a little impression kind of like warning the child, uh, <laughs> Uh, that they that they shouldn't be there, but then of course you're supposed to actually like put them up, so you hide them from the children. Yeah, let's help. Don't want But kids are going to get into your stuff no matter what. I mean, you, you, I, I have kids; they know better than touch the the alcohol and stuff. You know, uh, it's got to be a parent. That's just the hard part. Yeah, you know. I think just, uh, yeah, it's being a parent and, and if your kids know not to touch your, your flour or your cigarettes or your, uh, your pre-rolls or your, um, yeah, that- uh, your infused, you know, alcohol, anything, you know, I mean, I think it's just a rule if it's in a certain place that belongs to mom and dad. I mean, and That's then right. there, there are a lot of childproof um, Ziploc things that you could get, so... You know, it's uh, it's a wonderful time to roll up a 420 because it is about 20 minutes into the show. So, you know. And that is how we get out around uh, on-screen usage. YouTube is a bitch. Yep. Yep. So we don't use on-screen. We roll that beeline and go to Sport 20 somewhere. So, Jolene, what's going to be your preferred method for your dinner coming up? Is it going to be infused butter? Or are you using infused oils? Like, what's the uh, method of madness you're going to go for? Or everything? Uh, prob- probably butter and definitely our honey. Uh, we're gonna. I'm going to make a little. Um, I'm going to make a little um, uh, sauce for a side sauce, so I can put it on anything. Really, you know, um, that's to me. That's the best way to go. You can save it for later. You know, you can. Uh, you can. Um, uh, add it more as you need it, that kind of thing, you know? So I think, um, you know, we'll probably do something like that. And this year it's kind of, it's kind of fun because I have, I have a lot of chef friends in around me and they're all want to make sure that I'm eating. I don't know why, but they're like, Jolene, I'm going to bring you some of this. I'm going to bring you some of this. So I have a lot of friends bringing me turkey and different things that they're eating, which I'm sort of excited about. So I think I might just make a really nice squash or actually my boyfriend's going to make it, uh, make a nice squash soup. And um, I think we're going to have some soup and really big fat turkey sandwiches, maybe with an infused aioli or something. Nice. A little, yeah, that's that's a nice little. Uh, so do you find using uh, the infusions and condiments like an aioli uh, or, or some type or like a honey, which is something that you could add in a portion? Is that a, a wise move when you're trying to get started with uh, infused products and infused edibles? I think so, because you're not really affecting the, the rest of your meal that way. I mean, if you mess up, you mess up with a, you know, a sauce that you can add, you know, on anything. And I think, you know, we've said this before, flour is expensive. So the last thing you want to do is, you know, uh, waste it. Uh, I always, I always think these, you know, I saw a cartoon the other day that said with your, and, and we've actually produced these recipes. So I'll just say it. It's like with leftover flour, do this. And I always think to myself, who the hell has leftover flour? Like, what is that? Growers. Yeah. Croptober. Yeah. Well, and, and again, no one's giving your damn kid a freaking edible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so expensive. Well, yeah, that's right. That's right. But then again, like, you know, down where I'm at and in, in the haulers and stuff where we have plants and, and medical cards, um, you know, you're pulling down ounces every month. Can't put all that yeah. away. And so, like, it just adds up. But then, you know, yeah, if you're just somebody in the city living in a, an apartment, you don't have the luxury of being able to grow your own, you know? Yeah. 
The other thing I'll do is I'll make a, um, I'll take our honey and put it with a little distilled water and I'll make a simple syrup so I can infuse our cocktails pretty quickly. Cool. You know, a lot of people, uh, whenever they get into the cannabis cooking and whatnot, always, you know, how do you do medicated butter? How do you do this? I want to do that. But uh, just a little uh, hint, uh, here in Washington State, you can buy RSO. Add that to your dinner. A hundred percent. I love full spectrum, whole plant RSO. It's one of my favorites. I often put it in an empty capsule and go to bed with it. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That stuff is hard to make. That's the only thing that I really buy for my dispensary anymore. Uh, if, and I don't, and I just haven't been because like my dosage is sufficient. I think with the supply that I have, I don't have to go to RSO right now. It's great stuff though. Really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, it's, um, I actually bought an RSO at our dispensary here and I was misinformed of the dose. And let me just tell you, I know what I'm doing. So I'm staring at the label and I'm going, wait, what is this? Like they said this at the dispensary, but I'm reading the label and I, I couldn't figure out how many milligrams of THC it, it was in it. The label was not mm. clear. And this propelled me to, to really say, hey, to my, my content director, we need to do a story on, um, on um, uh, labels. Uh, they need to be easier to use. They need to be or read. They need to be more informative. They need to be clear. It just wasn't clear. And yeah. um, long story short, I ended up overdosing myself. I think it was high for three days. Yeah, like RSO will do that, and some patients will be like, I've seen them on YouTube, and they'll say they're on like four grams of it a day, and I'm like, damn, four grams of that a day? But some people, uh, they just need like the size of a grain of rice or something. And when it's when it's good RSO, it is just the size of a grain of rice, and that probably has like 25 to 30 milligrams of THC in it. Uh, and, that, you know, it, that's the you recommended. Can, yeah. The size of green of rice. That's the recommended like to start with. Yeah, but then well, the, you have to make sure you get the actual gram because very often uh, with RSO, high quality RSO, it'll come in a syringe, you know, and it, that yeah. syringe has like millimeters precisely. And then you know that it's a gram and then it'll have like, you know, zero to a hundred or something. And you can dose yourself. And at least so, you know, and you're not going to be like three X over, you know? Exactly. And that, that's exactly what happened, to be honest. Uh, it, it's in a syringe. I'm, you know, it's very easily uh, measured, but the uh, milligrams per part were, was a miss, miss on the label. So um, we basically, uh, my boyfriend and I basically took in, I think, 75 milligrams in one shot. Yeah. And he was, he spent the night on the bathroom floor because he gets seasick. So oh, no. He was, he was motion sick from it. Right. Um, I think he really didn't know what was happening. And I, I had enough wherewithal. I'm like, you don't need to go to the hospital. You're fine. You're just <laughs> sick. So you're going to have to wait, ride this out. You're just really, really high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's Ugh. what you're telling somebody. I, I gave him some uh, peppercorn because, I, you know, if you chew on the peppercorn, the terpenes and peppercorns will bring you back down. Um, yeah. But he couldn't, he couldn't stomach it. He was he was nauseous. So he's like, get it away from me. <laughs> You know, I've had that happen to me once, and uh, I kept telling myself, well, if I do die, I'll be the only person to die from cannabis, so I'll be freaking famous. I'll make history. They'll name the disease after me. Seriously. Like, I like, use my body. He died of 2420. What's that? It's when it gets so high, you die. Oh, Seriously. No. 
Oh, shit, man. Yep, it's a wonderful plant. It really is. I'm glad that you're out there doing those types of things. And the CBD aspect is, uh, it's, it's great that it's less regulated because it should be. Uh, you yeah. know, it, it should be like nobody ever has one of those stories. And then, oh, my God, I had 70 milligrams of CBD. Yeah. 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 But, you know, even if you overdose on, on or, you know, for lack of a better word, it's, it's overdose. But, you know, no one's really had to go to the hospital or got their stomach pump, you know, opposed to like alcohol. Oh, yeah. shoot. Yeah. Alcohol real damage but that's yeah. one of the great things about these types of parties and then as people get experience with it and they can experiment uh with edibles i i just think that the alcohol uh, erosion could be a real and present thing in, over the next 20 years where uh cannabis becomes more widely used and accepted in various forms so like right now it's you know sure of course glass pipes and flowers but some people might look back at that and say how quaint you know, in a couple more oh, yeah. years, or not in a couple more years, but maybe in a couple more decades. But, you know, it was within our lifetimes that you still couldn't use the word bong or water pipe in the store. You know, oh, they no. kick you out. Tommy Chong was just arrested in 03 for selling glass in Pennsylvania or something like that or on the Internet over, over state lines. Yeah, Which is kind of crazy because when I grew up, my parents were getting high around us all the time. I mean, I, you know, um, it's, it's usually like Saturday night or Friday night. I always associated it with, you know, it was like a party, you know, getting ready to go out kind of thing. Or we'd be, we, they took us to our concert. We would go to our first concert and I was like 13, maybe, I don't even remember, but, and they were, they would be getting high, like at the concert or on the way to the concert. I mean, that, that was the seventies, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember when I was 10, I went to this place called Forbidden Fruit and bought my mom and dad a stash box for Christmas. I didn't I didn't know that was a problem. <laughs> Where was Chris? This was in Iowa. Iowa. That was not even wow. states that I was imagining. What part of Iowa yeah. was that? Yeah. Des Moines, Iowa. Wow. Wow. I wouldn't be That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, and then that's what I mean. When I grew up, it was it wasn't a big deal. And I, I, you know, I would get high a few times in high school, and I was like, ah, eh, I was over it. Went to college and sort of got really focused on my career, and just really never looked back until until Nellie's dad got sick in 2011. And so then I had to then? change my thinking because you know I was a kid who grew up in the just say no, you know. Well, that's also where the activism starts, right? Where where it's like the low hanging fruit of things that we don't think about because it's kind of childish. We 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 we're like, ah, I was just smoking weed, no big deal. But yet, people are in jail. They serve time, you know, twenty, yeah. thirty years, yeah. death sentence sometimes. Or they yeah. they miss their medicine, man. Like they have autoimmune issues, or they have um, stress issues, or they have some other type of cannabinoid deficiency. Because we didn't even understand what this this chemical process was until the early and mid nineties. They didn't know how it worked. They just made it illegal. And they then not only did they make it illegal, they made studying it illegal. So then all this data is coming in from Israel over the past you know, 50, 60 years. And you're just like, and people don't know this. And not only that, they trivialize those who do. And they just go, come on, that's so juvenile. Grow up, you stoner. Work at a yeah. bank now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right? I work at a bank now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well... 
I remember in 2017 where I let my parents know, I'm like, so I'm uh, starting a cannabis business, I think, you know? And they were like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but they were already like aware then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. I think that I don't think they still understand my parents, A, what I do, and B, um, how much you just said it we're suffering from an endocannabinoid we have we have a deficiency mm -hmm. i mean i just talked to janice champagne yeah. last week and we were talking about the deficiency in autistic kids mm -hmm. oh wow yep so she believes um which you know i've read a couple times that autism wouldn't exist if children weren't um deficient Yes, and then uh, the studies, they, they don't fund them. Again, the studies have to be done somewhere else uh, just to see the science of it. That's probably one of the reasons why the endocannabinoid system wasn't discovered until the 90s. They're like, nah, we're, we're not even going to look into this. It's illegal. That's enough. It's just yeah, stupid. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, well, and you keep saying that there isn't enough study. If you go to PubMed, there's 34,492 uh, research studies on the last time I looked. So yeah. what do you, and, and then you have the, the FDA who owns the patent on, on medical marijuana and they just uh, uh, produced the uh, I, I, synthetic. Um, help me out with oh, the yeah. of it. Uh, Epidiol. Uh, oh, yeah. Epidiol. There's, there's yeah. several, but uh, that patent has expired. We actually did a show on the day that it expired because we were just happenstance talking about it and we pulled it up to like, you know, go over it. <laughs> Do a screen share and like you know just trash patent sixty six thirty five oh seven, and then um, it was on the day that it expired. So like, hey, uh, cannabis isn't uh, patented anymore. At least the cannabinoids in them aren't. You know that's good. Yeah, well, I mean, and then I'm talking to chefs in Seattle who are working with the FDA to get them to recognize that that cannabis is not just it's not a superfood. It's a functional food. Superfood is yeah. Blueberries. You know, a functional food is a food that has more uh, physiological effects, meaning, you know, um, it can help us, uh, you know, honey is a functional food, anti all by itself, anti-inflammatory, antibacterial properties, things like that. So I think cannabis is food and I think food is medicine. So I really need and want the FDA to recognize that cannabis is food and it's not just the flower and it's not just the compounds, it's also the, the, the leaves. Totally. Hmm. Well, and I think you're right too, as far as like you know the uh, the THC deficiency that we're all talking about. The the because uh, you know I just did a podcast the other day where we talked about like doing a man in the street, like walking around and asking people randomly, "Hey, do you know what your endocannabinoid system is?" But uh, I told the guys like, "Let's take it one step up. Let's ask doctors. Just go to doctors and see if they're talking about this thing that is entwined with our nervous system and our bone structure." See if they talk, if they know what it's about and, you know, what their perception is as far as like, you know, we drink vitamin C to help prevent scurvy. We put fluoride in our water to prevent like bone disease. So allow me to smoke my freaking THC and, and, and support my endocannabinoid system. It, it will it will help reduce chronic disease. It will uh, help um, basic nutrition functions. Um, it will help um, tissue repair, inflammation. I mean, everything we do, every illness and every injury starts with inflammation. Everyone. 
inflammation is hugely important in you know living uh, and, and on many diseases i mean it's it's so correlated to everything and the more like inflamed your systems are the more susceptible like even with covid the people that had the worst problems are usually the ones that had the pre-existing conditions what meant they already had a lot of inflammation going on for them yeah. you know it's uh, it's something else and i think it's really great that we actually get to be here and continue to explain this to people and then they're like no i don't want to hear it I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And then they get your story and then they become cannabis addicts, uh, activists because they see it and then their minds have changed. It's just I wish it was easier to change minds as opposed to having it become something that they personally have to go through and see the benefit before they actually got on board, you know? Agree. I mean, I can't say that I was I was never one of those people who was like, oh, I don't want to hear it. Uh, I've always mm -hmm. been pretty open to to new ideas. I mean, I uh, when I walked away from cannabis, I just walked away from something, I, a, a party scene that I, you know, I really didn't want to have anything. To yeah. do. I had no idea about the medical benefits until I started paying attention to the landscape and the food landscape with it. Um, but I'll That's say, you know, descheduling this drug would really just reaffirm what Kitchen Talk set out to do. I mean, when I was looking for a recipe for Nellie's dad, there was nothing for me to really trust, to really say, okay, I can get something from here. Um, it, you know, unless I was um, really looking at high times, which they were talking about food um, or, or dope. Um, you know, those magazines aren't appealing to my mother, to my aunt, to my uncles or whoever, you know, these, I was trying to create something that would speak to all of the people who aren't looking at cannabis. So if it were to be descheduled, it would just reaffirm all of the things that we set out to say that this is a healthful thing and that's not, you know, addictive and, and it does have medical properties and, you know, you don't need a doctor, you know, to follow you with this. Exactly. Yeah, we don't need a police to follow us with this. True. Yeah. Absolutely True. don't. Absolutely <laughs> don't. No. Such an I, I understand the tax collector. I get it. Sure. You want money? Who doesn't? So you're going to track it. Fine. But you know that's that's why we have sales tax. That's why we have all taxes. It's just all a big tracking scheme. And it's about wellness too, overall, you know, it's, it's about keeping your body balanced. You know, it might not be your choice or someone else's choice. I love the fact that kitchen talk, you're trying to appeal to this like suburbanish audience, more of a people who, who aren't asking questions, you know, um, cause as you guys are talking, I just can't stop by thinking how COVID has shown us. We got a lot of idiots. I mean, people even catch COVID and be like, nah, man, I got this. Are you, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yo, you got sick. You're lucky. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think if there's two things that we've learned this year, uh, actually, I think we found out in 2016 just how uh, willful ignorance will elect a president uh, just as ignorant. And um, to how um, um, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter what you're eating or not eating or what, you know, exercise regimen you have or how many doctors and what, what your health care is, if you don't take control of your own health, there is no one else who can help you. And that has never been more evident than right now in the middle of a health crisis. I mean, people are losing their health care. People can't get healthy. People aren't healthy. I mean, this pandemic highlighted just how not healthy the American person is, really. And the fact that there was multiple articles saying that uh, cannabis can help 
enforce your, your inflammation system, help your, your, your immune system. And, and it's still not going to be an option for the populace, no matter what, like, you know, yeah. where all these pandemics are having surges, if they could only just try smoking cannabis to even out, maybe that would have helped their ecosystem well, or whatever. If Americans want to be healthier, they will start demanding that type of things because then the wellness aspect of cannabis will become a motivating purchase factor. So people want to be healthy. So hopefully now uh, that'll be something that comes up more and more. I mean, we have a culture that to a certain extent is a little hedonistic and they like a little bit of excess. So you can understand why they're, um, you know, as obese as they are. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's a couple things that, you know, at play. I think, you know, um, I think people are more open to it because of the pandemic, right? They're looking at other options, other things they can do. I've seen that happening um, a lot lately. Um, like, I'll try it, right? And then I have, I have friends in Iowa where they have, uh, an ignorant governor, governor uh, Governor Kim Reynolds, um, who has put restrictions on CBD sales in the state. Uh, there are people who get shut down for selling CBD in the state of Iowa. CBD that's, from hemp, you that's guys. Wrong. And in that's the wrong. Entire, yeah. In the entire state of Iowa, there are two dispensaries. That's it. And I have a friend here who's suffering from MS, has a medical card, and has trouble just getting her cannabis to medicate for her, her MS. I thought that also Iowa does not have, because we haven't done any shows on Iowa simply because I, I just wasn't too thrilled about it. It was like, that's, we'll get to that after we've talked about everything else. That's <laughs> pile of crap over there. But um, with Iowa, I thought it still is low quality, not, not low quality, low THC cultivars only, something that's going to be like less than 3% THC. Which not, not knocking those plants. They have a wonderful uh, place in your um you know, because with cannabis, cannabis is like wine or like beer, because like there's a bazillion types of beer. There's a bazillion types of wine and there's all sorts of different flavors. And, and same with cannabis. And then with uh, the, the CBD cannabis all the way through these other strange cannabinoids that are out there. Um, and so you have all those flavor profiles. And I can't really remember where I was going with that. Somewhere. Iowa. Iowa. Low, low THC. Right. Low THC. And so and then they don't even really allow that. And then they're they're stopping the CBD sales. That's just yep. that's against the federal law. You're not supposed to interrupt international commerce and CBD. So like yep. if I'm in Illinois. I should just ship people in Iowa hemp flour and be like, here you go. And then if they I say, hey, well, you know, if they say, hey, no, you can't do that. And then they, they try to arrest them or like take it or something. And be like, whoa, we'll file this in the court. And then tell them to release your property because they aren't allowed to do that and see what happens. That'd be fun. Well, we're sending a lot of our, uh, our honey to, to Iowa. I mean, as you can imagine, growing up there, being from there, there's a lot of people I know from there. They pay attention to what I'm doing. Word travels fast. So, I mean, I, honestly, if I can help people feel better, sleep better right now, calm down anxiety, I mean, I have no idea what it takes to have kids at home while you're working from home, but no, thank you. What about uh, the types? Because, uh, like, if you wanted to do the sleep better, all that. So, let's say we're going to have a cultivar with CBD that's high in mercine. It's going to be like a Kush type of, of cultivar there or, or something, you know, purple. And um, will those terpenes also go through the, the bees, you know, honey making process? 
To be honest, I mean, really, I think the sky is uh, the limit where that is concerned. Um, the process that this honey is made is patented, so no one else can do it, which is great. Um, so I think if, if to answer your question, if we wanted to do like, a, I guess, a CBG honey or a CBN honey, you could. Um, but I'm, I'm really of the school of thought that the whole plant is better. I mean, if I'm going to give my advice to somebody, I would say, whatever it is that you're buying or eating, an oil, a tincture, um, you want whole plant. So um, you want all of the aspects of the plant to work together. So I think it's, I think you were just kind of saying the same thing with this lower THC idea. Mm -hmm. Jolene, thank you so much for joining us today. I have one of your issues here right now and I'm looking at this brown butter <laughs> apple pie with cannabis honey whipped cream, which I'm definitely gonna make this Thursday. Uh, where can we go? Issue to one. Yeah, this is from a client. The issue we ever did. Yeah, this is uh, this is issue twelve here. Nice. And, uh, thirteen. Uh, thirteen will be out in January, and it will have um, an extensive uh, research-based article all about cannabis and its effects on COVID. By the way, so. Ooh, interesting. Where can we go to find, follow, and read Kitchen Talk? Kitchentoke.com. Everything you need is there. Our honey is there. Our CBD shop is there. Our magazine is there, all of the recipes, articles, and health information. It's all there. Videos awesome. too. Dope. Thank you so much for coming on. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll uh, see you on Wednesday. Oh, hey, remember, I said Thanksgiving, including that time, nine times. <laughs> That's big. Let's shoot for 20 next Thanksgiving. We'll see. But I hope that everybody <laughs> has a good one. And remember, try sauces. Try sauce. Oh, thanks, guys. See you Wednesday. Thank you so much. See you Wednesday. Thank you.